Section 21 of the Celtic Twilight. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John O'Riordan. The Celtic Twilight by William Butler Yeats. Kidnappers. A little north of the town of Sligo, on the southern side of Ben Bulban, some hundreds of feet above the plain, is a small, white square in the limestone. No mortal has ever touched it with his hand. No sheep or goat has ever browsed grass beside it. There is no more inaccessible place on the earth, and few more encircled by awe to the deep considering. It is the door to fairyland. In the middle of the night it swings open, and the unearthly troop rushes out. All night the gay rabbles sweep to and fro across the land, invisible to all, unless perhaps where in some more than commonly gentle place, like Drumcliff or Drumahair, the night-capped heads of fairy doctors may be thrust from their doors to see what mischief the fairies, or the gentry as they refer to, what they are doing. To their trained eyes and ears the fields are covered by red-hatted riders, and the air is full of shrill voices, a sound like whistling, as an ancient Scottish seer has recorded, and wholly different from the talk of angels who speak much in the throat like the irish as lily the astrologer has wisely said now if there be a new-born baby or a new-wed bride in the neighbourhood the night-capped doctors will peer with more than common care for the unearthly troop of fairies do not always return empty-handed sometimes a new-wed bride or a new-born baby goes with them into their mountains the door swings to behind, and the new-born or the new-wed moves henceforth in the bloodless land of fairy, happy enough but doomed to melt out at the last judgment like bright vapour, for the soul cannot live without sorrow. And through this door of white stone and the other doors of the land where gowed to and solace are fingen, as they say in Irish, or you can buy a joy for a penny, they have gone kings and queens and princes but so greatly has the power of fairy dwindled that there are none but peasants in these sad chronicles of mine somewhere about the beginning of the last century appeared on the western corner of market street sligo where the butcher's shop is now a palace not as in keats lamia but an apothecary's shop ruled over by a certain unaccountable dr Opendon, where he came from none ever knew and there was also in sligo in those days a woman ormsby by name whose husband had fallen mysteriously sick the doctors could make nothing of him nothing seemed wrong with him and yet weaker and weaker he grew away went the wife to dr Opendon. she was shown into the shop parlour the black cat was sitting straight up before the fire. She had just time to see that the sideboard was covered with fruit and to say to herself, fruit must be wholesome when the doctor has so much of it, before Dr. Oppendon came in. He was dressed all in black and the same as the cat, and his wife walked behind him dressed in black likewise. She gave him a guinea and got a little bottle in return. Her husband recovered that time, but meanwhile the black doctor cured many people, but one day a rich patient died, and the cat, the wife, and the doctor all vanished the night after. 
in a year the man ormsby fell sick once more now he was a good-looking man and his wife felt sure the gentry or the fairies were coveting him and she went and called on the fairy doctor at Cairnsfoot. as soon as he had heard her tale he went back behind the door and began muttering 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 making spells her husband got well this time also but after a while he sickened again the fatal third time and away went she once more to Cairnsfoot, and out went the fairy doctor behind his door and began muttering but as soon as he came in and told her it was no use her husband would die and sure enough he did die and ever after when she spoke of him mrs ormsby shook her head saying she knew well where he was and it wasn't in heaven or hell or purgatory either she probably believed that a log of wood was left behind in his place but so bewitched that it seemed the dead body of her husband she is dead now herself but many still living remember her she was i believe for a time a servant or else a kind of pensioner of some relations of my own sometimes those who are carried off are allowed after many years seven usually a final glimpse of their friends many years ago a woman vanished suddenly from a sligo garden where she was walking with her husband when her son who was then a baby had grown up he received word in some way or other not handed down that his mother was glamoured as they say by the fairies and imprisoned for the time in a house in glasgow and longed to see him now glasgow in those days of sailing ships seemed to the peasant mind almost over the edge of the known world yet he being a dutiful son started off for a time he walked the streets of glasgow and at last down in a cellar he saw his mother working she was happy she said and had the best of good eating and would he not eat and therewith laid all kinds of food on the table for him but he knowing well that she was trying to cast on him the glamour of a spell by giving him fairy food that she might keep him with her he refused and came home to his people in sligo some five miles southward of sligo is a gloomy tree-bordered pond a great gathering place of waterfowl called because of its form heart lake it's haunted by stranger things than heron snipe or wild duck out of this lake as from the square white stone on ben bulbin issues an unearthly troop once men began to drain it and suddenly one of them raised a cry that he saw his house in flames they turned round and every man there saw his own cottage burning they hurried home to find it was but fairy glamour or spell and to this hour on the border of the lake is shown a half-dug trench the signet of their impiety a little way from this lake i heard a beautiful and mournful history of fairy kidnapping i heard it from a little old woman in a white cap who sings to herself in gaelic and moves from one foot to the other as though she remembered the dancing of her youth a young man going at nightfall to the house of his just-married bride met in the way a jolly company and with them his bride they were fairies and had stolen her as a wife for the chief of their band to him they seemed only a company of merry mortals his bride when she saw her old love bade him welcome but was most fearful lest he should eat of the fairy food and so be glamoured out of the earth 
into that bloodless dim nation wherefore she set him down to play cards with the three of the cavalcade and he played on realizing nothing until he saw the chief of the band carrying his bride away in his arms immediately he started up and knew that they were fairies for slowly all that jolly company melted into shadow and night he hurried to the house of his beloved but as he drew near came to him the cry of the key nurse she had died some time before some noteless gaelic poet had made this into a forgotten ballad some old verses of which my white-capped friend remembered and sang for me sometimes one hears of stolen people acting as good genii to the living as in this tale heard also close by the haunted pond of john kirwan of castle hackett the kirwans are a family much rumoured of in peasant stories and believed to be descendants of a man and a spirit they have ever been famous for beauty and i have read that the mother of the present lord Cloncurry was one of their tribe john kirwan was a great horse-racing man and once landed in liverpool with a fine horse going racing somewhere in middle england that evening as he walked by the docks a slip of a boy came up and asked where he was stabling his horse in such and such a place he answered don't put him there said the boy that stable will be burnt to-night he took his horse elsewhere and sure enough the stable was burnt down next day the boy came and asked as a reward to ride as his jockey in the coming race and then he disappeared at the last moment the boy ran forward and mounted saying if i strike him with a whip with my left hand i will lose but have in my right hand bet all you are worth for said paddy flynn who told me the tale the left arm is good for nothing i might go on as he said making the sign of the cross with my left hand for ever till christmas and a banshee or such like would no more mind than if i was that broom while the slip of a boy struck the horse with the right hand and john kirwan cleared the field out and when the race was over he said what can i do for you now said kirwan nothing but this said the boy my mother has a cottage on your land the fairy stole me from the cradle so be good to her john kirwan wherever your horses go i will watch that no ill follows them but you will never see me more with that he made himself heir and vanished sometimes animals are carried off apparently drowned animals more than others in clare morris galway Paddy Flynn told me lived a poor widow with one cow and its calf. The cow fell into the river and was washed away. There was a man thereabout who went to a red-haired woman for such as supposed to be wise in these things, and she told him to take the calf down to the edge of the river and hide himself and watch. He did as she told him, and as evening came on the calf began to low, and after a while the cow came along the edge of the river and commenced suckling it then as he had been told he caught the cow's tail and away they went at a great pace across hedges and ditches till they came to a royalty that was a name for the little circular ditches commonly called rats or forts that ireland has covered with since pagan times therein he saw walking or sitting all the people who had died out of his village in his time a woman was sitting on the edge with a child on her knees and she called out to him to mind what the red-headed woman had told him and he remembered what she had said 
bleed the cow, she said. So he stuck the knife into the cow and drew blood. That broke the spell, and he was able to turn her homeward. Don't forget the spancel, said the woman with a child on her knee. Take the inside one. There were three spancels on a bush, and he took one, and the cow was driven safely home to the widow. There's hardly a valley or a mountainside where folk cannot tell you of someone pillaged from amongst them. Two or three miles from Hart Lake lives an old woman who was stolen away in her youth. After seven years she was brought home again for some reason or other, but she had no toes left. She had danced them off. Many near the white stone door in Ben Bulban have been stolen away. It is far easier to be sensible in cities than in many country places, I could tell you of. When one walks on those grey roads of evening by the scented elder bushes of the white cottages, watching the faint mountains gathering the clouds upon their heads, one all too readily discovers beyond this thin cobweb veil of the senses those creatures, the goblins, hurrying from the white square door to door to the north, or from the heart lake to the south. End of Kidnappers